Bon Appetit Foodcast. I am Adam Rappaport. This week, we've got a good one for you. Carla Lolly Music, our food director, sits down with Emil Stonic, editor of our Basically website, and they are back to talk about rice. Now, perhaps you listened to their first rice episode. I don't know what they were like eating or drinking or smoking, but it was an interesting conversation. And they're back for more this time. Uh, they cover everything from brown rice to Persian crispy rice. And then after that, we have Ruman Alam, a special projects editor of the New York Times book section. He reads an essay that he wrote for our May travel issue, which is out now. The essay is called Drinking in Dhaka. Ruman published a book called Rich and Pretty last year, and his new book, That Kind of Mother, is out May 8th. But before we get started, I wanted to share uh, some cool news with you. We are starting a newsletter for the podcast. Uh, rolls out in the near future. So each week as we release a new episode, we will be giving you some related reading material, some behind-the-scenes fun, and we also want to hear what you'd like to see in the newsletter. And to do so, as always, you can email us your suggestions at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. That is bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. And so to sign up, here's what you got to do to sign up. Now, ready? Got a pencil? Got a paper? Go to tinyletter.com slash foodcast and enter your email. Once again, tinyletter.com slash foodcast. All right. Here is Carla and Emil talking rice. Let's do this thing. Mama made me mash my M&M's. Me, 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 me. Mama made me mash my M&M's. I never did that. You never did that? So you did theater? Is that where this is coming from? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I did. I was like a theater choir. Uh, I was also in a I was also in a chamber music group. Yeah? In, What'd you play? Oh, Your no. Voice. It was a, yeah, it was, mm. it was called Madrigals, and it was all um, pre-Renaissance chamber music, and we had to wear... I had to wear like white tights and like, uh, like you had to, you got to, I got to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like a velvet top thing with like jewels on it. Where is that outfit now? Um, it was a rental. Oh. <laughs> They're very expensive. <laughs> I feel like we can just jump right in. Yeah, probably. We love rice. I we think everybody rice. knows that. I've gotten a lot of feedback mm-hmm. about how much other people love rice, how mm-hmm. much they loved listening to people talk about loving rice. Rice lovers will listen to rice talk. Oh my God, rice talk. I mean, Why didn't we call, that's the name of the podcast, rice talk. It feels rice. It's It feels rice. It's <laughs> Rice is beloved the world over. I mean, it's one of the great grains. It might be the greatest grain. <laughs> great grains, also a good name for a podcast. <laughs> You know, that was the name. Uh, Great Sage was the name of the first restaurant that I ever worked at. Great Sage. Yeah. That sounds like... Fine, casual, vegan, <laughs> and vegetarian cuisine. <laughs> Shout out to Great Sage uh, in Columbia, Maryland, if you're listening. Shout out. Yeah. Um, great Grains. Rice great grains. is one of them. I brought some source material with me today because last time I felt like we did kind of get into rice from a very heartsy place mm-hmm. and it was like it was more of an emotional response to the topic which totally. I do have a lot of emotions about and I think food is emotions and emotions are food <laughs> eat your feelings <laughs> you you can eat yeah feel good feel mm-hmm. like eating right. anyway 
of course we have an emotional attachment to food, especially rice, which is, as we've already said, one of the great grains. Mm -hmm. I think we talked a lot about how we felt about rice. And you did a great job of talking about the perfect pot of rice. But in general, we really were just talking about like why we love it so much. We were just riffing. We were just, we were just <laughs> eat, feeling our eats, not eating our feelings. And so we did get a lot of really nice feedback through the podcast email, which we read and we share and we talk about. I want to read that. Nobody nobody told me to read I, that. I got some tweets. Some oh. people be tweeting at me. Mm. And... And then sometimes I'll get feedback on Instagram from people who listen to the podcast. On the, so like mm. I'm not, I never really can remember, like it might be about something unrelated, but people were giving feedback and some just anecdotal, like, oh my God, I just listened to the Rice podcast with Larry's. But then Emma does get these emails and we, you know, share because the people wanted more rice. That was clear. And specifically there was some questions about brown rice, which I think mm. has befuddled humans for many times long time for many times <laughs> people have been befuddled well brown rice is like i think people are as you pointed out last time people are just freaked out about cooking rice it's like one of the basics like eggs that people are just like i don't know right totally. i'm gonna and screw it up it's either you know how to make it and you've got your way to make it and that's the only way you can make it or you're just kind of like you're you're having a hard time finding the like getting your toes in the water it's like burns know? rice once and then just terrified forever. Are we just making memes about yeah. rice? Burns, uh -huh. burns rice. I burned rice. rice last night. Ooh. Can we? What happened? We Let's were going to talk that. about rice dishes. We're also going to talk about brown rice. Maybe I'll save my burnt rice experience for, yeah, for the, later. The people want to know about brown rice, Carla. They do. How do you, I mean, what's, do you cook a lot of brown rice? I like brown rice. I, the, my only reason why I don't cook brown rice more is because of the time involved. Uh -huh. So it's like one of those things that a lot of times I don't decide what is going to be for dinner until I start cooking it. Right. And when that's happening, I'm like, do I have 40 minutes for brown rice? Like, I would love to be eating dinner before 40 minutes has gone by. Totally. Which is kind of the nice thing about white rice is you're like, all right, 20 minutes. Can I make the rest of my dinner yeah. in 20 it's minutes? More totally. like with white rice, you're like, let's delay starting to cook the rice until I get a head start because right. otherwise the rice is going to be done too fast. I will say this. A lot of talk about the pressure cooker this week, oh. but the pressure cookers are a great way of dealing with brown rice. So I think we should include that as one of the methods for the the PC heads out there, the IP people who might be listening. What are you talking about? Well, IP is like Instant Pot. Oh, 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 oh. I, thought I, was I was thinking intellectual property. No, like, no, what? no. Although, yeah, you could kind of go there. What's but the other PC, thing, the PC? Pressure cooker. Oh, pressure cooker. I'm sorry. I'm not a hip to the lingo, Carla. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm not like the, I'm just... P the PC, the IP. The, the uh, SC. You know what's messed up is that, like, really, I want to say pressure cooker people, but that wouldn't be PCP. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, not. Well, also primary <laughs> care physician. I was like, somebody somebody was on the internet being like, I'm having so much, such a hard time finding PCP, <laughs> finding a PCP. And I'm like, you don't normally buy, you don't refer to it that way. It's not like a PCP. You sound like a narc. <laughs> like, that's how it's sold. Well, I don't know. I don't no, actually know. We're just talking sold. about pressure cooking. Pressure cooking. And that my pressure cooker people. You know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a pressure cooker person. I know. You, you just know didn't that. know the lingo. Yeah. <laughs> the PCP. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Moving along. So you <clears> had a question. Your question was What is your preferred brown rice cooking right. method? So I did do a little more background work for this podcast because trying to 
separate the heart and the mind. More facts, less feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's basically two ways to go about it. Okay. There's absorption method, which Mm. is where all of the water ideally is evaporated or absorbed, in this case, into the rice by the end of the cooking. And then there's the like- So that's kind of more like the way that you would cook regular rice. Exactly how you described last time, where you you know there's a a measured amount of water to a measured amount of rice, a, a certain heat level- Covered, you know, and at the timing. end of the cooking, there's no water in there, just perfectly plumped. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, the water rice. is gone, the rice is perfectly cooked, and there's no scorching. So that's absorption. That's absorption, and then the other method is what we refer to anecdotally together as the pasta cooking method for grains, which uh, is yes. when you the PCM. <laughs> that's cr- PCM. Pasta cooking method. Yeah, but that gets confusing because if if PC has oh. referred to pressure cooking, pasta, then it's like gra- pre- grains as pasta cooking method. So g- these ga- guys. Ga- so ga- I brought a really amazing book. Ga- I brought a book called Seductions of Rice by Jeffrey Alford and Naomi Duguid. I know I'm mispronouncing her name. Duguid. Ne- I do it wrong every time. But these guys have written and photographed many books. And what a title! Uh, Seductions of Rice. I mean, who could resist that? Mm-mm. They are fantastic, and they're like world travelers. So this rice book covers like every kind of like every type oh, of rice so I'd rice. ever heard of from around wow. the world. But they have another way of referring to it, which is like the lots of water method, which I was like, <laughs> all right, that's cool. That's pretty straightforward. They, they used all of their like naming energy on the book, Seductions of Rise, and they're like, ah, it's the lot of water method. Exactly. It's the L-O-W method. Lots of water. The low method. The low method. <laughs> so I like them both. I think that there are different ratios for water to rice and it seems to vary like the 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 span is like bigger than for white rice so i oh. saw everything from two cups of brown rice for four cups of water to two cups of brown rice and five cups of water wow. and cooking times that range between 40 and 50 minutes with like a 10 minute resting period at the end mm-hmm. and that was for absorption okay. so it's really the same you're you're rinsing the rice so this is an interesting fact that i picked up mm. um because so brown rice is brown rice because it's the same as white rice except that the outer hull has not been removed, removed. and because pesticides and other chemicals that are used in the farming can cling to that hull it's more important with brown rice or it's very important with brown rice to to try to use an organic one because that stuff is there right in higher it just has not been removed it hasn't been rinsed in part of the processing right right it's like how you have to like what if you're buying like conventionally grown peaches you want to give them a good scrub because there's it's easier for all of that to stick know. on there and to like be there so that i thought was kind of interesting and brown rice is more nutritious a mm. little bit more and it's not i always thought it was only about the fiber but yeah. it's actually about like a bunch of other minerals and vitamins and huh. c and d and thiamine and niacin so whatever um but it also is harder to digest because the hull is there and certain things become like more available when you're so brown rice is is like better for you in certain ways, but also better th- for you than white rice in certain ways, but also I p- think the truth is that brown rice and white rice are both a great food and they're really good for you. And that brown rice maybe has small amounts of nutritional advantages, um, but it's really more about like just what you like and and the flavor of it. Because right. the biggest difference I think in just eating brown rice and white rice is like you get more of that 
earthy, totally nutty mm-hmm. t- flavor and um, a chewier texture with brown rice. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, I think that's the thing that I really like, especially about the, the low method, the lots of water method. It's like a little easier to choose your own adventure like where you what you want that texture to be like totally. if you're just like you're dumping it in you're not I mean you do have to wait for a lot of water to come to a boil but you still do the same way you would with pasta right and you got to season it well so but let's just back up and like <clears throat> okay. so the lots yeah, yeah, yeah. of you because you you know you you've already started but like so the lots of water method is lots of water lots in of a water. pot <laughs> the way you would if you're cooking pasta season it so it's nice probably not as quite as salty as pasta water but you want to get like you know, you want to taste the salt in that water. Bring it up to a boil. You want to take it from here. Simmer away. Simmer. And we didn't put the we didn't put the rice in yet. Oh yeah, put the rice in. Put the rice in. Ow! ow after it boils. After it right, boils. you're not bringing it up from cold. Right. Um, rinse the rice first. Oh yes. And then there are a lot of recipes in general recommend like letting the rice sit after it's been rinsed for 15 minutes up to an hour. Oh, interesting to kind of like soak and hydrate a little bit. I think that's what it's about. Um, And cool. If you have time to do that, Mm -hmm. do that. If you don't, I think it'll be okay. And then you're just cooking it and simmering it. And maybe a little bit of foam is going to come up to the top because there is a little bit more impurity on the surface of the rice grains. Skim that off. It's not a big deal. And then, like you said, the good thing about this method is you can sort of start tasting it about, you know, eight or ten minutes in. Right. I don't know exactly how long it will take because it just depends. Depends on how much water you're using. This is really like the thing about the. The absorption method is you kind of have to nail your quantities and your times. The low method, it's going to be different every time, but you also you're just ta- you know you're just doing it to taste. There aren't like times and temperatures here. It's just kind of like. So I think that the absorption method is a little scary for people because it's like it goes into the box, the lid goes on, and it's like I hope it's working, you right. know. And you might hear some rattling, and sometimes some of that like foam starts. Wait, can we back up for a second? What's the box <laughs> that it's going in? <laughs> I, I, just, I was. Bit, I mean I the was pot. Bit, oh, the pot. But okay, like okay. in you know just. In a, like you're yeah, sort of yeah. like, oh, I put this thing over there. I put the lid on it, right. and now I can't see it. I don't right. have one of those glass it's pots. Forty to fifty anxiety-producing <laughs> minutes of wondering whether and you're that like, oh, the lid is, is rattling. Oh, some of the foamy, you know, foamy stuff is coming out. Like, what's happening in there? But if you open the lid and stir it, like you're you just You've you're really everything. shouldn't do that. Yeah. So I think with the lots of water method, you get this opportunity to kind of be more active in the cooking process, and well, you can see it, you can taste it, you can stir it, you can chew it. All that stuff. Right. So let's start from there. So it's like it's in there. You're tasting and maybe you're making like a rice salad Mm -hmm. or something like that. Or this is going to be you're going to you want like those kind of individuated. You still want like a tiny bit al dente, not like a crunch, but like, you know, when they you get that kind of like squeaky pop. that Totally love that. And then, you know, maybe that's done. Maybe you're going to serve it cold and then you're just going to scoop everything out yeah. with like a, a strainer or something like that get yeah. it on a sheet tray spread it out so it can cool a little bit maybe you even like pop it in the fridge after that so you can really wick off some of the moisture and then you have like perfect toothy brown rice but you could also leave it a little softer kind of more like a a white rice like almost like a you can get to the sticky place yeah too. not to the point maybe where the hull splits and it starts to like open up but it's totally tender right there's like not you know a little bit past al dente and in seductions of rice one of their favorite ways to serve just like plainly cooked rice 
um, and they make two distinctions. They they generally say don't salt the water if you're serving it with um, Asian cuisines because the that it's more the blank canvas in mm-hmm. that scenario. But in other dishes, like you would salt the water, and then all these recipes just recommend like piling it up on a platter and and drizzling ghee or olive oil mm. over it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that sounds so good. Doesn't that sounds so good. Just, just ghee that. over brown rice. Re- oh, delish. Oh. I made some ghee the other day. Made. Yeah. Here wow. in the test kitchen, Look One World you. Trade Center ghee. Wow. I found like a random block of blue gras, which is a type of butter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was great. Oh. Um, so we could do that after this, actually. The ghee, the ghee podcast? We could, no, we could just go in the kitchen and have rice with ghee. Oh, we could. Because there's ghee. There's ghee. Is there brown rice? Always. Really? It's not cooked. No, it's not cooked. Right. <laughs> well, have to pressure cook it. Do I look like I got 50 minutes, Carla? <laughs> no, you don't, which is why we should talk about the pressure cooker method. Oh, yeah. Talk to that me. That was like a smooth transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got our absorption, two to four or two to five, medium low, you're rinsing the rice, you're letting it sit for 15 minutes into the pot, twice as much water. I mean, maybe split the difference, go two cups of rice, four and a half cups. Yeah. Splash of salt in there, go and just go and just yeah. trust. So that's the like bring it up to a boil, drop it to a simmer, cover. Yeah. Go just pray. Pray for 40 minutes <laughs> and then let it sit. I also, I will say though, one thing, you know, having. I have cooked brown rice using the absorption method and I do find that if you if you if it ends up that your rice it, it's a little bit more forgiving I think than regular white, agree. white rice is and that's kind of one of the benefits of it it's like if you you finish the appointed time has passed you take the lid off and you like look at it and you're like oh it looks dry and undercooked you put a splash of boiling water in there you cover it, you let it go a little bit longer. You know, it's just because that hull is so sturdy and it's going to prevent that. It's not like a matter of seconds like it is with white rice sometimes where you go from like perfectly individuated to gummy and mushy. It's, you got a little bit more wiggle. you don't, and the liquid that is maybe been, you know, come come off of the rice isn't all starchy and gluey. Right. So I completely agree with you. And I also think that that your description of cooking the brown rice, draining it, putting it on a sheet tray, letting it cool all the way. I think that people don't think of brown rice when they think about grain salads. Oh my gosh. They're like, oh, I need the farro, the spelt, the rye berry, the, you know, the wheat berry, which is the same as a farro, just FYI, right. and get all stressed out or go searching for unhulled barley or whatever. Just in any grain bowl or grain salad recipe, brown rice. Just go to the brown rice. Totally. Love yeah. it. If that's the thing that's always in your house, like... Don't don't freak out. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I love a farro. Sure. I love a barley. Sure. But you know, I'm not like gonna. I'm not like knocking rye berries right now. Are I'm you knocking saying. rye berries right <laughs> now, Carla? This is gonna get heated. Okay, so let's talk about okay. pressure cooking because I brought another book that I love. This author so Nerd. I know. Well, you know that people use my office as sort of like a casual research area. I have. I've done that before. And I really love to be surrounded by the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this day and age where, like, you know, you Google it and it's like, no, oh, that must be true. The fact in the fin- it's not. It's Fake like news. nice to go <laughs> to a book and especially older books. Like, I think Seductions of Rice is it might be out of print. So for all the other nerds out there who are nerdy like me, the secondhand book market on Google 
on um, oh. sorry, on Amazon uh-huh. when there's out of print books and you go into like the secondhand booksellers. Great finds. I found some there. really cool stuff. Anyway, so that's where I got my copy of Seductions of Rice. Anyway, so I brought a different book, um, Whole Grains Every Day, Every Way by Lorna Sass, who is- Lorna Sass. She is just one of the great people and is a grain expert and also a pressure cooker expert. Wow. I adore her. If you want to be entertained, Google Lorna Sass, Mark Bittman, pressure cooker. They did a series of videos and Lorna Sass is wearing a chef's jacket that is just absolutely- covered in like every color bell pepper it is just the most (laughs) festive (laughs) chef's jacket and she's tiny and mark Bittman's very tall so i think they had her standing on like a giant milk crate very entertaining learn a lot about pressure cooking too Hmm, at the same time anyway so i trust her a lot and so her cooking whole grains in a pressure cooker um she has a bunch of timing here so for brown basmati she says 15 minutes under high pressure so brown rice ready to go um that's fast it's really cool but where's anyway so that's a good and i think in in that scenario it's still two to four like two cups of say one to one to two that makes more sense a cup of brown rice two cups of liquid but the great thing with the pressure cooker also is that if there's extra liquid left which there probably will be because it's all hermetically sealed and steamy in there you just drain it off yeah. And then you're good you go. to go. Bingo, so this bingo, is your bongo. like, I forgot to start my rice 20 minutes later, which is the same as the white rice. So right. just Instant That's... Pot people and my PCPs, <laughs> just <laughs> brown rice in 20 minutes. I know. I mean, that's honestly, that's. I don't use my pressure cooker that often. I just have like a manual on the stove pressure cooker that my aunt gave me. Whenever I use it, it's almost always because I'm like, oh, I forgot the... And it's you not know. necessarily faster, right, in the rice cooker? It's no, just more... No, 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 no. The, the rice cooker, I mean, depending on what kind of rice cooker you have, I often think that the rice cooker, people misunderstand and think that the rice cooker is faster. Right. When in reality, it's just, it's optimized to make perfect rice. So it's like, might take a little bit more time, but the rice is going to be like more reliable and you don't have to think about it. I mean, it's like, my rice cooker for white rice, I think... I think takes a solid like 10 minutes longer. Right. But then I don't have to think about it. Yeah. And it's like just no fear. Done. You know, I like go to start like serving dinner. I'm like, oh, right. The rice is done. It has been done for 20 minutes. That's so great. if you want to take the scaries out of rice, right. rice cooker. And if, if you want to rice fast, pressure cooker. If you want to taste as you rice, low. lots of water method, low, yep. which we just coined the low. On and the low. if you really love, trusting the mystical powers of heat and time and want to throw yourself into what's this one gonna be carla what's it gonna be (laughs) because this is what i want to do well then you have to do the absorption method if you want to just like trust physics and science and time and things that happen when Mm -hmm. you're not there and can't see it right absorption absorption and you could feel probably like a magical wizard when you're done I feel like a magical wizard when I finish most things. <laughs> you know, like did laundry last night and I was like, I am a magical wizard. Finish Ooh. the brown rice. <laughs> I am a magical wizard. 
Okay, Rice Wizard. Get a seat on the train. I am a magical wizard. Oh my God, the greatest thing happened to me this morning. What is it? <laughs> I was going to school with my younger son and uh, we kind of walk halfway and then there's a bus that comes at that halfway point and all these people get off and then it's kind of empty and get back on. The bus came today, not a soul. And it was <gasps> like rush hour. It was like 8, 15 in the morning <sighs> and the door opened and I was like, is this bus empty? And like we said to the driver, like this never happens. And he was like, oh, I actually got added into the route because I was behind. So they like put me in the middle of the route and the whole ride to school had the whole place to ourselves. That's cool. I was, I thought the story was going to be like you opened up and you were like, is this whole bus happening? He's like, yes, actually I'm dead. This is the ghost bus. We're going to Hades. Hop on. But you need an SBS coupon. Do you um, have one of those? We do. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, was, <laughs> it would have been even better if you went to the back of the bus and there was just like five pressure cookers, five <laughs> rice cookers, every red rice, Bhutanese rice, black rice, whatever you want rice, all of the rices. The rice bus. Some with salt, some without, some with ghee, some with oil. Oh, that would have been really great. We, we- <laughs> Carla, let's quit our jobs. Let's buy a school bus. Let's just drive around in the rice bus. <laughs> just splashing ghee everywhere. <laughs> I think the another great title for the podcast is Rice Wizard. Rice Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a great name for like a packaged rice product. Rice Wizard. Yeah. Like yeah. Rice Aroni or or Un- Uncle Ben's rebrand. Because part of the whole Instant Pot thing is like total marketing genius because actually it's not instant at all. The thing is like <laughs> a slow cooker and like all of this other stuff. But they called it Instant Pot and everybody was like, that's it. That's the answer. I need that's that great. thing that does everything instantly. I don't want my stupid slow pot. <laughs> I want my instant, instant pot. Instant pot. I want it right now. <laughs> um, so you could maybe think about having a rice cooker that does not really have any new technology, but is just rebranded Rice Wizard. Rice Wizard. They would fly off the shelves. The digital. Can we edit know. this part out of the podcast because <laughs> this is the last podcast before I become a millionaire? Rice Wizard. Rice Wizard. And then they'll be like, who is he? And you know, you'll get to wear that outfit from the Which pre-ren, one? you know, the pre-renaissance. Oh, my Madrigals outfit? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And you could be the mascot. Oh, like my. that could be. <laughs> it's not so wizardy. It's more like a squire, you know. People think someone said that we were under the influence. Some of the feedback we got was like they were high or drunk or like no, we're not. We're just we're not high. We're not drunk. We're just PCP. <laughs> Pressure cooker people. We're high on rice. We're high on rice and life and life. Nah, the second one, not yeah. so much. Yeah, not so much. Okay, so so one other thing I would say, and I'm surprised we didn't talk about kanji in the last episode. Oh my because gosh! Because kanji, okay, one time I think it was the early. I was experimenting with pressure cooker. It was like one of those weekends where I was, the kids were little, and I was just like, oh my god, what even is going on? I totally mismeasured the water and the rice ratio (laughs) and like cooked it for twice as long and like opened it up and it was gruel. It was just like, Oh, well, great job. Like way too much. (laughs) And then I realized like, Oh, actually I just made brown rice kanji. And so I just kept cooking it and cooked off some of that liquid and seasoned it. And it was, Mm. it was great. So even when you mess rice up, 
Like that's the thing. If you burn it, you could just add some oil to it and pretend that like that was intentional. Oh yeah. And if you overcook it or have way too much liquid, it turns into congee. Throw some scallions and soy sauce and drop an egg in there, and you're good to go. Totally. Call it porridge. Yeah. That's call cool, it right. Call it porridge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then you could serve it at like a Nordic restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With like with some like just ashes on top no not spe- mm. not specific about where the ashes came from it's just the leak of course it's, it's from the leak ash cold cinders <laughs> soot okay. i burned rice last night you burned rice last night i burned night. i burned the rice we ate it anyway it was fine it was my first the rice was nice enough it was nice enough and the people were very nice so mm. we all ate the rice but i made persian rice last night cool for the first time amazing had never done it before Andy Baragani has like made it many times in the kitchen. He is a rice wizard. He's I, mean, <laughs> I mean, really though. He's in on this because he's going to be the mascot. I know. He. We should invite him on, actually, to talk to us about making oh Persian God. rice. Well, the thing is, if Andy was on this podcast with us, we would talk about rice for, for it would be like a marathon. It would be like four, four hour days. long. It would be ridiculous. That's but a, yeah. I told, so while I was doing it, I was thinking about Andy and I was cooking out of salt fat acid heat which is I mean Nosrat's book oh, amazing and I just felt like she in her book it's like this is a shortcutty method but it gives really good results and it's like I was like that's what I'm in the mood for right now because I had not decided what my side dish was going to be my friends were already over we were maybe one bottle deep already and I was like I'm just going to do this I'm going for it mm-hmm. and it was a very satisfying experience so you parboil the rice long mm-hmm. grain white rice Parboil it in very salted water. Mm. She wants you to put like half a cup for four quarts of water, half she a cup would. of salt. I know. She loves salt, that I one. I love that about I know. Samin. And then you drain it. First you rinse it, wash it, wash it till it's clear. Then you cook it in the lots of water method, but with a lot of salt too. Drain it, cold water, stop the cooking. And then you take one cup of that out and mix it with some plain yogurt. Hello. Which when I got to that part of recounting it to Andy, he started making like, clucking noises and sh- and shaking you know very like it was all physical there was no words he was like oh, i don't you know i don't do that oh she's like and they know each other and love each other but he was right. like oh and what what else is in there and i was like well then you take butter and oil three tablespoons of each into a cast iron pan and he was like huh you know and i was like <laughs> what I, but that's what it said and it was like it was it was great so you have one cup of the rice mixed with yogurt and you do the butter and the oil and it's all foaming gets really hot you put that yogurty parboiled rice on the bottom, and then you pile the rest of the rice over. Oh. And then you take a spoon and you make some steam holes. Mm. And this is where it gets really different. So her method, then you kind of turn the heat down a bit, and you want to create this like really dark crust, crust. on the bottom. And the the rice that's mounted on top, because it was parboiled and the steam is coming up through those air holes. Like, is it covered, this thing? So... Simeon's recipe is not. Okay. I think there are some versions definitely that are. And and to be fair, hers, it was titled like Persian-ish rice. So this mm-hmm. is like her, I think, like fast and easy and not such a fussy way, which I really appreciated. But then Andy was like, no cover, no towel, no towel wrapped around to become a li- lifting off thing. Absorbed. So then he was talking about his mom's method and the thing. I'm like, I have to make this again. Like it was 100% just my first time doing it, not really knowing intuitively like trying to get there and 
we still ate it. It was very crunchy. It was a little too dry and it got too dark. Uh-huh. But I think some people have that experience of trying to make rice and like this, you're supposed to have a crust, but they're like, I burned it. I'm never making rice again. Right. Whereas like, I was like, I burned it. I can't wait to do it again and make it better <laughs> in a smaller pan with a lid. And now I'm going to do Andy's method and like, look it up. Have you ever made that? I have not Lauren, mm-hmm. my fiance, mm-hmm. who I think, I think she styled that shoot. Really? And she came back from that day. This is like the The, the Persian Andes. New Year story? It was or not the Persian New Year story. It saffron. was the kind of Andes modern Middle Eastern oh, yeah. cooking. The saffron rice cake. Which, yeah. yeah, the saffron rice cake. And she came home from that shoot and she was like, oh, I had the most amazing thing. It was so good. I have to make it. And like made it, I think, that night wow. actually. But it's so, it's so good and it's such an incredible dish to serve yeah. at a dinner party oh. because it's, it actually, the, there's Andy's so method. much drama because yeah. you invert it. Then you have to like invert it. And actually no one was in the kitchen with me when I did that last night. And I just, I did it. It was great. It so when you say with... invert it, you mean you took the, you like put your platter over top of it, over top of your pan that has the rice in it. Yes. You flip it over in one deft motion and then. Swiftly and confidently. And then, and then lift it off so that the part that was under the crusty part is the top. Right. And it, except for the parts that were too dark, it was really it looks awesome and then you kind of crack into it and oh yeah it was it's, good it's so delicious so so lauren made it for you she has i have not made i mean i've made different versions of like a crispy yeah rice situation you Andy, had a good recipe well, i had a good recipe but that was like a total made-up thing with a non-stick pan mm-hmm. and chicken fat and that was great it was yeah. just like a ratio getting a ratio down other favorite rice dishes oh favorite rice dishes. Well, now I'm rice. <laughs> my favorite rice dishes. Oh gosh. Um, you know, one of the best rice. This is I mean, this is also a um crispy rice situation, but back back when Lee Derossier was cooking at Achilles Heel in Greenpoint, and he would do his Hell's Chicken, which oh, was these yeah. incredible chickens that had been they'd been smoked over the open fire and then they'd been steamed and then they were grilled and they were just like it was this crazy method but they were so delicious he would always have all of this chicken fat smoky chicken fat Mm. that he would just spread out on a plancha like with just like a big metal like cast iron cooking surface over the fire and then he would just slap down like big chunks of cooked rice and just kind of like it was like short it. grain white rice. Short right? grain white rice. Yeah, it was he would cooked completely, cooked but completely. still sticking a little bit. Still sticking a little bit, and just kind of, and the the surface was so hot and so well slicked with schmaltz that that you would just get these sheets of crispy rice where you would have like just brown, golden brown on one side, even a little bit singed. Yeah, the other side's chewy and soft. Yeah, the whole process would take like you know. Maybe Super four minutes. Yeah, something like that. You just like Shh, maybe. And then it's picking up more smoke from the because everything he did was over live fire and it's coming around. Oh, yeah, it was so good. Talk he about also, a rice wizard. That would, guy. That guy. I like to think that I am the reason that Lee learned oh. how to cook rice. Oh, because so Lauren's favorite the meal that she would ask for on her birthday every year when she was a kid was sticky white rice, salt and pepper ribs, grilled mm. ribs. Mm-hmm. And artichokes and mayonnaise. Love it. That was like the weird, like these three foods together. And so one year I threw her a surprise birthday party where I enlisted Lee to To host at Achilles Heel. And I was like, is there any chance that you can make this very specific weird meal? And 
we, we like kind of like we had it all set. It was going to happen. We were actually like in we were out of town. And we were coming back and all the friends were going to be there and the food was going to be there as a thing. And I'm like in Massachusetts. It's the morning of and Lee calls me. and He's like, I can't do it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do it? And he's like, I can't make rice. I always mess it up. Oh, Every my God. Time, that's always... amazing. And then I walked him through the perfect pot of rice <laughs> technique. <laughs> But wow. like whispering, like walking off into a field, being like, "Okay, here's what you gotta do, bud." All right, go to bonappetit.com. <laughs> rinse it off real good, and then That's sure incredible. enough, it worked. Yeah, and then he became a rice wizard. And then he became a rice wizard. You just got to get over that hump, you know. You got once you make it once and it works, right? So I had a similar cooked kind of grilled rice like that at the restaurant that's at Ten Thousand Waves, which is an amazing. Japanese spa that has a restaurant in Santa Fe. 10,000 villages. No, 10,000 waves (laughs) in Santa Fe, which I'm going back in June because we went two years ago and like can't wait to go. Anyway, it has like Japanese soaking tubs and all the things. And then it's just a really great, cool place. But they have a delicious Japanese restaurant like on the Mm. grounds. And that was the first time I ever had grilled rice cakes so same as what you're describing short grain white rice that i think was seasoned with rice vinegar it was like sushi Uh sushi rice that was seasoned and then formed into the little patties Mm. and then they grilled them and brushed it with like a soy mirin and so it was crispy but also a little bit salty and sweet on the outside and hot in the middle but steamy and like a little bit of crunch it was it's like one of those things that we ordered it for the table and then everybody took a bite and like immediately ordered a second round um those are harder i've been kind of like trying messing around trying to recreate those at home it's hard to get the texture of the rice just right but again like grilled rice totally what why not branch out branch out live a little make risotto that's fine Mm. make your rice and beans Mm. but grill some rice i don't know Grill some rice why not what do you have to lose just rice it's just that's also the thing that's nice about experimenting and like really messing around with rice. it's like there's so many possibilities and it's cheap, right? You know, it's not like oh, go mess around with some you know prime Andy's rib. saffron and <laughs> prime rib. Andy's but also, house when of you mess it, when you mess it up, it still can be something. Yes, right? Absolutely. Like, you made no, it mushy. Go, go make with it, it into kanji. It's too dry. Uh, add more. I don't know. Yeah. Throw yogurt yeah, yeah. sauce all over it. Yeah. Call it a day. Yeah. Drown it in kimchi juice. Mm. So next time. I don't know. I don't know. Let Wait, us know. Send send one of these yeah. emails that I keep hearing about, <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll talk about. Maybe there will be a rice part. Three. I think now we've done white rice and brown rice, but we haven't gotten into any of the other. Oh yeah, the red rice, the black rice. There's certain things we're not going to talk about. Forbidden rice. We're, we're never going to talk about forbidden rice. <laughs> I forbade you. Not allowed. That's the only rice that is on that that bus to hell that I was talking about That's earlier. Right. That's the only rice they have. So hashtag rice wizard if you want to like get that trending. Hashtag rice wizard at us. Mm-hmm. At, I'm gonna go make that Instagram account right now. Rice wizard. Rice wizard. I think you should. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Carla. Bye. Early in a relationship, a weekend away can be fatal. So it seems like lunacy that a month after I met David, we planned a trip together to Argentina. From there, travel became a big part of our romance. There's no better way to get to know someone than to see them far from the comforts of home. I got to know that David was curious as he pored over guidebooks to find some alluring oddity to visit. 
He dragged us to an out-of-the-way village in India, known for its exuberantly frescoed homes, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I got to know that he was tireless, eager to walk all over Prague, rain be damned. I got to know that he was outgoing, interested in talking to anyone, and also that he speaks French better than he lets on. A cliché, but it just sounds romantic. And I got to know that he is always, always prepared. For an overnight flight, David had sleeping pills. To counteract prolonged exposure to unfamiliar cuisine, he had peanut butter. For destinations where the only coffee available was instant, he had a plastic French press and a pound of the good stuff. Who wouldn't fall in love? Some years after that first vacation in Argentina, we planned a trip to Bangladesh, the country of my parents' birth, but a place about which I, assimilated American kid that I was, knew almost nothing. David, ever prepared, stopped at the duty-free during our layover for a bottle of whiskey. The stuff is hard to come by in that devoutly Muslim country, and there's something so right about a drink after a long day in a new place. Upon arriving, David decanted the booze into an empty plastic water bottle, and that vessel accompanied us everywhere we went. Outside Dhaka, we visited a tea plantation, an astonishingly quiet place, verdant even in the dry winter season. We walked through the fields and the adjacent village where the agricultural laborers lived, then retreated to the main house for a secret nip from the plastic bottle and a very late dinner. David's a photographer. I'm a writer. Thus, everywhere we went, he took pictures and I took notes. So it was a pleasure trip that also involved some work. We spent some time in the city of Chittagong on the Bay of Bengal, where the local trade is ship-breaking instead of sunbathing. We called in favors to be shown the corpses of decommissioned ocean vessels, a surreal blight on the environment usually kept hidden from tourists like us, but a remarkable thing we were very eager to see. That night we went back to our grim business hotel, quite in need of a drink. We spent three nights on a little boat, puttering through the Bay of Bengal's mangrove forest, a habitat for the planet's few remaining wild tigers. It was there that we rang in the new year, standing in our little cabin that was so tiny there was nowhere to sit beside the two narrow bunks. We drained the bottle that night. Thereafter, our itinerary carried us back to the capital city of Dhaka, where we would see my favorite relatives, my aunt and uncle. They were a hilarious and cosmopolitan couple, easygoing people who were also superb hosts. When they understood that David and I were hoping to have a drink, they decided to take us to their club. That club is a colonial-era workaround to circumvent the society's conservatism and is even now one of a handful of places in that huge city where one can order alcohol. It looked a bit like an unremarkable hotel or a building at a small, out-of-the-way college, but it had an air of British-inflected pomp to it. My uncle told me I had to tuck in my shirt before going in, and the waitstaff spoke that hand-me-down formal English you hear in the former colonies. Our drinks were served with a little silver bowl containing a mound of peanuts tossed with minced onion, lime juice, and cilantro. Like every great bar snack, it made us want to snack more, drink more, talk more, laugh more, all of which we did. David and I have been married for almost a decade now, and the way we travel these days is quite different. I've not left the country in eight years, which is not coincidentally precisely how old our first son is. These days, when I get on a plane, I rely on David, ever prepared, to remember to pick up a rodent track to occupy the big kid and some bubblegum so the little one can pop his ears. 
Our family trips are wonderful, but I don't mind remembering when we traveled a bit lighter. Though I'm not nearly skilled enough a cook to recreate the delicious complex food we ate on our trip to Bangladesh, I can manage that simple bar snack and find myself transported both across the world and back in time. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.